Welcome to the Crow's Nest. I know it has been a minute since you've heard updates. You know, I'm telling you this. Uh, in case you're listening to this far in the future, there was this thing. Uh, we had this thing called a pandemic in the year 2020. And it's messed a lot of things up for a lot of people. But um, I'm glad to be back. And I think the great thing is we have... So at the top of the show, uh, the intro music is a little bit different because that was the uh, March of the Women by Ethel Smith. And I'll get into that in a moment. Well, actually, I'll get into it right now. So uh, we thought it'd be great to kick off uh, a new series of episodes of the podcast with uh, a major day that's coming up, uh, Women's Equality Day. And so you're not going to hear a lot from me because, yes, I am a dude. And I think we better actually hear from women about Women's Equality Day. But uh, that is coming up this week. And uh, we wanted to highlight um, uh, women that have achieved great things uh, within the Navy. And then we also wanted to highlight some of our great uh, leadership cadets that are going to be uh, interviewing um, these excellent women. And so um, for today... Uh, just to give you some background, uh, there is a Women's Equality Day proclamation. And so I just want to read a little bit of it. It says, whereas the women of the United States have historically been treated as second-class citizens and have often been denied the full rights and privileges, public or private, legal or institutional, which are available to male citizens of the United States, and whereas the women of the United States have united to assure that these rights and privileges are available to all citizens equally and Whereas the women of the United States have designated August 26th, the anniversary date of the certification of the 19th Amendment, which culminated a 72-year nonviolent campaign to extend the right to vote to women as symbol of the continued fight for equal rights, rights. And whereas the women of the United States are to be commended and supported in their organizations and activities, now, therefore, be it resolved that... The, and you can insert elected body, elected official, whoever is declaring this, recognizes that the commemoration of that day in 1920 on which the women of America won their right to vote as an opportunity to continue to work for equal rights for all citizens. So we will say that the United States Naval Sea Cadet Corps recognizes the commemoration of that day in 1920 on August 26th of 2020, uh, on which women of America won their right to vote as an opportunity to continue to work for equal rights for all citizens. So uh, in honor of that, uh, we are going to start this uh, three-episode series. We're going to have three separate interviews, uh, each of which I'll interview very briefly. You don't want to hear a lot from me. Um, but uh, this first interview we are going to have with a good friend of the Sea Cadets, it's been a, a great resource, a great help to us so far, uh, retired Fleet Master Chief, U.S. Fleet Cyber Command, uh, D. Allen. And uh, she's got an extensive biography. I will include this in the show notes. But uh, Master Chief D. Allen, native of Birmingham, Alabama, enlisted in the Navy through a delayed entry program, and she was a seaman recruit. So made it all the way up there, and I was scrolling through some pictures. That's a lot of stripes on the sleeves there. Wow. Um, but uh, University of Maryland Terrapin, her personal decorations include the Defense Meritorious Service Medal, the Meritorious Service Medal, Navy and Marine Corps Commendation Medal, 
and Joint Service Achievement Medal, Navy and Marine Corps Achievement Medal, and a host of other decorations. And I didn't include in there three awards, five awards, seven awards, so multiple awards for each. Um, so a, a very distinguished record. We are very happy to have her. And uh, the great thing is she is going to be interviewed by one of our cadets, uh, Rhea Smith, Chief Petty Officer of the Pyro Division in Petaluma, California. And so just to give uh, our interviewer a little bit of space, uh, Chief Petty Officer Rhea Smith has been a member of the USNSCC since she was 10 years old. She is a member of Pyro Division in Petaluma, California. She staffed RT, POLA, and has attended SLA, so Senior Leadership Academy. Chief Smith is a member of the USNSCC Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Conclusion. Inclusion Committee. Uh, she swims competitively as a year uh, as a year-round sport. Uh, she has committed to attend and swim for the United States Military Academy at West Point starting in the fall of 2021. So, uh, congratulations on earning that spot. It may look a little different. Uh, oh, fall of 2021, not fall of 2020. So she's got some time yet. Hopefully, things get resolved by then. But uh, with that, I am going to turn it over. Uh, to the conversation with retired uh, Fleet Master Chief D. Allen. All right. Um, so, Command Chief Allen, uh, my first question for you was um, just uh, this year is the 100th anniversary of women winning the right to vote, as we all know. Um, and even though this happened a long time ago, why do you think people my age, like my generation, needs to know about this now? Well, I think every person needs to understand um, what took place before us um, and the importance of voting today. Uh, and I also think that the anniversary uh, falling in an election year is absolutely fitting. You know, women for so many years, you know, fought for us to have the right to vote. You know, they they are giving us our voice that we have today. Their fight for change gave us so many opportunities and freedoms. Um, and really, your generation, whether you know it or not, you guys are going to continue that fight that they started so long ago because there are so many things that still need to be accomplished. Thank you. Yeah, um, I, I really do understand what you mean. Um, can you can you personally share your reflections on this historic event and any impact you think it may have had even decades later, but like on your life? Um, I, I know personally, I don't think if it wasn't for those amazing women so many years ago, we definitely women definitely would not be where we are today in society. Um, the things that they did. I think that they just continue to give us the strength and the power to move forward. Uh, I can't even imagine not having the right to vote. So that's why I think it's so important, you know, not just for my generation, but for your generation as well, to talk openly about why voting is so important. Uh, so we won't forget what those women did so many years ago. Um, and Command Chief, I just wanted to ask you, why do you personally think voting is important? Because I know there's like, you know, other people 
have their their reasons but what do you what are your reasons for me it's simple it's choices um everybody has choices and the right to vote i get to voice my choice on my views uh you know whether it goes forward and you know becomes the reality that i want it doesn't matter it's just the fact that i was giving a choice and that means a lot in this world today no yeah it does um i i think that our country it's just a really great opportunity and fact that we, we get to vote because there are so many other countries and nations that, that don't offer that. Um, yes. So thank you for your answer. Um, so as a woman in a leadership role in the military, uh, you know, with, regarding your prior service, can you describe the opportunities you have had in your career? Mm-hmm. Um. I personally say there are two types of opportunities, one that's given to you and the one that you make. Uh, I think for me, I was fortunate enough to have both during my career in the Navy. Uh, If something was presented to me, I never turned it down because I'm one of those type of people. I don't believe in luck. I believe in making your own luck. Uh, But I do feel that there were times that I had to make my own opportunities, because if I didn't, I would have gotten overlooked. So if there was something that I wanted to do, I made a point to show my leadership that I was very capable of doing that task or that project. So I, I just made opportunities for myself and it all panned out for me. Okay. Um, now I wanted to ask you another question here. As a woman of color, has that ever affected your career or the opportunities you you had? I won't say it was blatant. Um, I do believe that color and gender uh, has always been a part of society. Um, and I, I, I felt that most of the time the barriers came from my gender and not my race. Hmm. Okay. Uh, no, that's, that's really interesting. Uh, you know, I, I will speak, you know, on the military in particular, you know, serving 33 years in the Navy, you know, I think the all armed forces really do a really good job, you know, of honing in, you know, on discrimination, especially when it comes to race. I think the gender piece, sometimes get overlooked unless, you know, we're talking about, you know, something like sexual harassment or something like that. But, you know, I, I really feel that the unconscious biases come to play a lot of it. And because so many people really don't understand unconscious bias, that's when all of the obstacles, obstacles and challenges come a part of the situation. No, uh, yeah, I really agree with that um, because sometimes it'll just be like that not aware, like not being aware of those um, those small things that people like, you know, people will assume things and it'll be microaggression essentially. And then not being aware of that can really 
it can really break down morale of a command structure. So have you ever had to like deal with that or ever noticed that ever occurring um, during your time in service? Um, I personally always try to lead with no color and no gender. You know, we always try and say, you know, everybody's blue, you know, and we're on <laughs> equal basis, you know, uh, you know, so my leadership style was just that I tried to make sure that everybody was treated equally and fairly. Uh, and I think, you know, because of the structure of the military, you can control that a little bit better. But I, I'm also, I was also realistic because I knew that I had those sailors only part-time, you know, when they left work, you know, they went on into society and they saw things differently, you know, based on what society showed them than what I showed them in the military. So it was, it's almost like leading a double life, unfortunately. Um, and some sailors probably did lead a double life when it, when it came to that, because they were one person at work, but, you know, mm. it could be basically based on where they lived, you know, they may have had to act differently when they took that uniform off. Although we say we're sailors 24 seven in reality, that's not the case for every sailor. I'm just curious how you think or why you think the military has done better than I guess larger society. I mean, I know you're appealing to a much larger demographic and perhaps, you know, with, with the military sort of self-selecting. And so people might be more successful in the military because they have a certain set of beliefs. But I'm just curious in terms of dealing with microaggressions or, or training for diversity, equity, inclusion, those kinds of things. I'm wondering how you think they've done a better job with that. Um, I think it's basically because of one, the structure, you know, uh, from day one, you know, you're confined to this is the structure of the military life. Uh, and two, the education, you know, the military, the armed forces do a really, really good job in trying to educate you know, certain things. And they'll, as you know, if you talk to some of the younger generation, they'll say, hey, you know, you guys are going overboard with this training thing. Uh, but it's all there for a purpose, you know, and it gets, you get so educated in it. It just becomes a part of your everyday life. Um, and you you can see people change, absolutely. And it, I think it's all based on sometimes the surroundings that you're placed in and the training opportunities that you're provided. Um, so, Command Chief, as, as um, you know, the military progresses and, um, you know, present day leads in the future, how do you think um, the military will, will it become more accepting of different race and gender and like, you know, females uh, really getting into, for example, special operations yeah. and just really blending in and not really caring about um, this line of male, female? Mm -hmm. I think the armed forces um, really, really 
has tried to do that. Uh, I mean, over the past 20 years, um, you know, women have been accepted into, you know, you know, I'll take the Navy, you know, women on subs. I'll tell you when I joined the Navy, never would have ever imagined that women would be on submarines now, but mm. they've taken that community by storm and they're excelling. Um, so I think, you know, with every great thing, you know, you don't want to rush into it. You really want to do the research. You know, you really want to make sure that it's going to be successful. Um, and unfortunately, you know, I think a lot of times society plays into, you know, some of the policies, you know, that the armed forces are restricted to. Um, I had the opportunity to work in the Office of Women's Policy during my career. And I remember when the conversation about putting women on subs first came up, it wasn't from anybody in the military that was against it. It was society. We got so many emails and, and you know, correspondence from people who was going like, how could you possibly think about putting women on submarines? Mm. So, you know, I think society mm. sometimes, unfortunately, shapes things. Um, and you have to like, okay, you know, put the brakes on them and just really think things through, you know, to make sure that it's going to be acceptable for the armed forces, but as well as for society, you know, and as well as for Congress, who's going to give us a blessing to do those things. Mm. Yeah, and I, I really think that has uh, two different things to play with that. I, I think it's one assumption. And um, two, society isn't actually in the armed services, like, I mean, sure, some of them are, but they're not actually on the job with those women who are, you know, working in the submarines and they're not seeing what they're capable of. Absolutely. So once again, that kind of leads over to assumption again. Yeah, um, but yeah, thank you. Thank you for your answer. Um, what do you think, another question, <laughs> what do you think the suffragettes of the early 20th century would think of women leading our military now? Um, I really think, or at least I hope, uh, that they would be proud of how we've continued the fight. Um, they, they made some extraordinary, you know, way ahead for us to be able to do some of the things that we do today. Uh, so, you know, basically, I hope that they're proud to see the things that we're doing, not just in the armed forces, but, uh, uh, you know, across the world. Women have taken not only the armed forces by storm, but corporate America as well. Um, you know, some things that women are doing, you know, they're leading Fortune 500 companies. Uh, the Air Force just, you know, selected their first female to be the senior enlisted. Uh, you know, so we're moving rapidly forward. Um, I just want to ensure that we do no injustice or taking steps backwards. I just want to see us continue with the progress moving forward. Mm. All right. Um, now, if you could go back in time, what would you like to say to them? Any advice? Mm, I think I would just basically really say thank you. 
because, you know, without the things that they have done, there's absolutely no way we would be where we are today. Um, there's so many females, like I said, who are doing some amazing things. And we would not be able to be doing those things if it wasn't for the sacrifices that they made so long ago. So thank you, because not only did they help me, but they have so many other women be able to achieve our dreams and goals. What advice do you have for young women who are thinking about a career in the military? Hmm. Um, I think my advice would simply be um, just remember that no journey is ever going to be easy. Um, and the accomplishments that you make today will open doors for every woman and girl that comes behind you. That's, yeah, that's, that's a great answer, actually. That's pretty neat. <laughs> <laughs> no, but really, though, because I, I just think about that, and that, that answer right there really reminds me of, um, I'm not quite sure if any of you heard about this, but there was a, um, a CST team that was opened up, I think, in 2000s for the U.S. Army. Um, and I know, uh, Command Master Chief, you're Navy, but I still think that this was a very significant event where women were, um, you know, there was an opportunity opened up for them to work with Army Rangers and work yes. in those special operations forces and yes. to really work on the job with the Rangers. And... Um, at first, the women, they, they kind of expected to not really be accepted at first mm -hmm. because, you know, everyone thinks, oh, women on the job with rangers, they can't, we're going to have to look after them and they're not going to be able to hold their own. But really, these women were like really good soldiers. They like could hold their own. They could carry their own weight. And that opportunity that they had, it opened up doors for um, special operations and infantry for women later on, which is open now. Yes. And to let them go to ranger school. And I think two females from West Point uh, graduated and they have that ranger tab. I know, but, I remember that. Yes, that was very significant. Yeah, exactly. And it's really motivating as well to see that, hey, it's possible, you can do it. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think, Another thing, um, and I just want to get your advice on this or, you know, your feedback off of this, but I think it's really a good thing that the military opened up just those, the opportunity for females to even do that instead of letting it only be open to males because, okay, sure, there's not, not everyone is going to be able to fit all the requirements for, for example, a special operations job. But the fact that they opened it up, though, is significant because if there are some people that can do it and they fit all the job requirements, then why not? I agree with you. I, you know, it's about choices again. You know, give me the choice. You know, it was the same thing with the submarine community. Um, 
they opened it up for females. And trust me, there were a lot of females who said, absolutely not, do not want to do that. But they had the choice, you know. So, you know, giving people the opportunity to have a choice to do something is completely different from completely closing the door on them. So, you know, you know, back to my statement to, you know, my advice is really be, you know, remember the things that you're doing because they may not mean anything to you, but absolutely, you're giving somebody else the opportunity to do something that you probably never even realized that you're doing. Yeah, thank you. Um, and I, I noticed that um, from your bio here, you've had a lot of opportunities to work with like a really a lot of senior enlisted um, personnel. Um, what were what were some good um, experiences and like good stories that you have to share about that with working with them? And have you learned anything significant about yourself and your leadership style um, or things about yourself that you, you didn't realize until working with them? Um, I, I will say again, you know, it was about, you know, sometimes making those opportunities for yourself. Uh, but some of those were opportunities that were, you know, provided to me. And I absolutely jumped uh, on those opportunities, you know, just thinking back to working for, you know, McPond Campa, what an absolute honor to be selected to work in the most prestigious office that, you know, provides, you know, um, overall compliance for the enlisted force, you know, so I always went into every job with the same mentality, you know, we, we get, you get interviewed for those positions, and I would always tell that person, do not select me if I can't learn from you, and you can't learn from me, so that was one thing that I was really, really like strong on making sure like it was a two-way learning street, um, you know, working with senior flag officers, they have a completely different mentality than from the senior enlisted. So, you know, it is, it is a two-way street. They're looking for me to provide them, you know, guidance and advice, um, but not only that, you know, coaching and mentorship as well. Uh, and twofold, I always tell people too, you know, as you're coming up to the ranks, you know, people are always looking upward, you know, at that next rank. And I said, be comfortable where you are. Always look ahead, but make sure that you grasp all the tools that you can in the position where you are, because you absolutely will need them in the next job. As we all know, what got you here won't get you there. Uh, one of my favorite books. Um, so, you know, that was one of the things for me. I was always trying to learn. I always were trying to not only make myself better, 
but also make my boss better as well. Because if we were both trying to improve ourselves, we knew for a fact that we were going to improve, you know, those lives of the sailors and their families that worked for us. Yeah, and wow. you saying two-way learning street, that, that really reminds me of something that we went over at um, Senior Leadership Academy, mm -hmm. um, SLA, with all the chiefs and how um, mentoring is a two-way street. So did they really serve as like a mentor for you and you a mentor for them, essentially? Absolutely. Uh, you know, as a command master chief, you know, uh, you work directly for that commanding officer or, or that flag officer. Um, so the relationship that you have is, is really, really close. Um, so you do a lot of confiding both ways, you know, you run different scenarios, you know, our projects or tasks, you know, by them. So, you know, that relationship is extremely uh, close and knowing that they trust you, they trust your judgment, they trust your knowledge, um, that's huge. And so you, you have to be on your A game all the time, you know, because, you know, my last job, you know, being the command master chief for, for 10th fleet, you know, the cyber world forever changing, you know, I always joked, I said, God, I can never take leave because when I come back, the whole cyber community is different, you know, and you always had to stay on your toes when it came to adversary. So, you know, being in a constant learning mindset is extremely important. And like I said, your boss is relying on you. So you have to make sure that you are constantly staying abreast of all of the changes that deals with any type of policies or procedures or anything like that. All right. All right. Um, yeah. Now, I, you were talking about cyber, and I'm just curious, in 10 or 20 years, how significant do you think that's going to be to, like, our military? Do you think we're going to maybe be in a, a more of a cyber war instead of physical, where, you know, we have people out there in combat? Or, like, of course, we don't want to presume or say that we will be in, like, a full-out, grand war. But what we can't deny that there is um, combat operations going on now at this very moment throughout yes. the world. So I will say this. So I won't give too much love to one particular community. Um, we're in a cyber war every day. Uh, and not just the armed forces, everybody in society, you know, um, I grew up in the information warfare community. Uh, I left, you know, and went out to sea and came and was fortunate enough to come back. If we as America do not take cyber seriously, um, it's going to be absolutely scary. I, I do believe the next war, if there is ever one, will definitely be a cyber war. Um, and that's just based on my background. Now, can I ask you what you think that might look like if, for example, America didn't take it seriously? What What do you think, like in like realistic terms, what do you think that would really look like? 
Um, I mean, just think about all of the things that you do on a daily basis that the adversary that you give the adversary control of, you know, anything from your cell phones to your computers, uh, to Alexa, you know, so if there's so, so just think about the smallest things that you deal with on a daily basis that the adversary could come into your life. Um, I always like to reference the the TV show, Mr. Robot, you know, it's a little eccentric, uh, but it has so many things um, that is to definitely to the to the left wing of looking at uh, how a war would be fought, but how easy it is if an adversary wanted to take over something. It's really at keystrokes, you know, how fast it is for someone to hack is unfortunately way more black hats than there are white hats out there. Um, but I really love the fact that the cyber community has really grown in all of the services. So um, I think the senior leadership really takes information warfare extremely serious. Um, and will definitely give any adversary the run for their money. I just get really excited when I'm talking to, you know, people that have actually been on the job, you know, they, they've served. And That's they have fine. that Absolutely. So. And those are those were outstanding questions. I, I I'd love to sit here and be a fly on the wall for another <laughs> hour and hear more about this. <laughs> well, let's say this. Ask me one more question and then we can go we can end there. Hmm. Oh man. Okay. Um oh, here's a fun question. Um and I just this is kind of off topic again, but I just <laughs> wanted to know where across the world have you been deployed? Um and was it have you been on shore duty more or um, ship duty out to sea? Um, I was fortunate enough to do a little balance of everything from shore duty to staff duty uh, to overseas to in the desert and at sea. Uh, so I got every check in the block. Um, and I think that's really important for anybody that's joining the armed forces today is to try and provide yourself with as much diversity as you can in your career because there's a whole big world out there and sometimes you know when you could join the military you know they'll put you in a MOS which you're used to because you're going army uh, but the Navy you know we call them you know a career field and you may not mesh with that you know so don't feel that you are stuck in one place because you will have the opportunity to change that career field at least once in your career if you desire. So really, really explore every opportunity that's given to you. And like I said, there's two opportunities, one that's given to you and the one that you make for yourself. Make sure that you have the best of both worlds when it comes to opportunity. All right. Thank you so much, um, Command Master Chief, for Absolutely. answering all these like questions. I really appreciated your answers. They were amazing. Um, thank you for your time. Absolutely. Well, I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Uh, it was great to sort of listen 
to the conversation, uh, to step aside and actually hear uh, what folks have to say. Uh, definitely uh, people that have uh, more... <clears throat> 